You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. We have an unusual one for you today. It's one where we actually talk about a win. How about that? I'm joined by Washington Post columnist Jerry Brewer. I talked to Landon Collins for a couple minutes after the game. He had said some things about Josh Rosen that are probably pretty obvious. And I also give you my observations on the game. But first, my interview with Jerry Brewer. All right, so I'm here with Washington Post columnist Jerry Brewer. Jerry, your first chance to see the Redskins in person during the regular season. This must have been a big treat for you to come to this game. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to call it the Stooper Bowl, <laughs> but I think Jacksonville already has rights on that. <laughs> yeah, probably. So I call it the Blooper Bowl instead. So what, 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 what were your impressions coming from this game? What, what can you take from a game like this? Because you get the win, but it comes down to two-point conversion against a bad, really bad team. I mean, from a Redskins perspective, at least they're not the worst team in the league. <laughs> but I think they, they have a clear claim to number 31 right now. I mean, coming down two yards from a loss, one point uh, better than the Dolphins, who, you know, I mean, periodically throughout the game, there are times when they're, it's really clear that they're not trying to do too much. Right, right. Uh, and so I think for three quarters, you look at it and you're like, hey, that was, you know, a nice, solid effort. But when Fitzpatrick came in, they just they couldn't sustain it defensively. They couldn't shut the door offensively. But it would have been really nice, you know, after Terry McLaurin made that right. nice thirty-two right. yard catch. Field. You know, you got three fifty-nine left in the game. Right. If you could just shut the door on offense, you know, and finish, and you win seventeen to ten, that looks a lot nicer Feels than surviving at the very yeah. end. Because like that McLaurin catch, I thought, okay, that's the big play. That's the last that's the big game. play. That's, that's it right there. And not to not shut it down. And to me, it's like it felt like you got a more of a prof- – you know, Josh Rosen wasn't doing very well at all. He holds the ball way too long. And they knew that Fitzpatrick, for all his faults, is a professional passer. Yes. So that, that threatened them considerably. And so I, th- I felt like that was a big change for them and they couldn't slow him at all. So. Yeah, but it's good to see, you know, the pass rush got home, you know, mm-hmm. if Rosen's going to hold on to it, you want to hit him as right. many times and as you did. can. You get five sacks, you get all of those early. Uh, that really set the tone for the game defensively. Uh, Terry McLaurin is the greatest, I think he's probably the best draft pick if you want to put value into the yeah. equation, you know, of the entire draft this Absolutely. year. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, so that's Huge, you know, for now and for the future. They they're able to get Adrian Peterson going. You know, I mean, really, really able to run the ball, and Bill Callahan really establish what he wants to do uh, moving forward. And I think, you know, so I look at this and it's like, yeah, they didn't look that good, but there might be a pathway to more respectability if they can 
build upon right. it. Right, and it takes a little bit. I don't think when Bill Callahan said at one game that there's not a quick fix here. Yeah. But that's what I was going to ask you too. Things, what can you, because one game is not going to fix it, but what can you springboard off of this in addition to that? Is there something that you can grab onto? And it, is it just the run game? Is it McLaurin? Is it, what, what did you? Well, I think it's the development, you know, of a style of play. You know, I mean, Gruden was searching for that, but yeah. I think Gruden was at the point in which he was willing to just go down swinging to try it his way as Correct. opposed to do something differently. Uh, with Callahan, uh, you know what he's all about. I mean, they're going to try to be a physical team and um, try to slow the game down that way. And I think, you know, it's no surprise, uh, you know, even if the Dolphins had been a team that scored a lot of points but gave up a lot of points and that's why they lost, um, they were still going to try to slow down the game. And I think they can do that against a lot of right. opponents. Really interested to see how that's going to work against a defensive front as talented as the Niners. Right. And which easy. they don't allow you to no. be as patient with the run. And and I think it's not just that, but their offense may not allow you to do yeah. that too. Because if you're those first after those first three or four drives, if they don't, if they if Miami scores a touchdown or two, then you it's harder to be as patient. Yeah, I mean, the, the most laughable part of that game was six punts in the All first right. six possessions. But from a uh, Redskins perspective, being on the road, uh, being uncertain about what you're doing, that back and forth is okay. It's right. ugly. You know, Absolutely. it's fine to have an ugly right. first quarter. Because I think they knew eventually they'd get it going, too. Yeah, and, and to be able to strike first, to be able to play from ahead, uh, it felt, even though it's at a lower level, it felt a lot like what they were successful at last season in the first right. nine Absol or ten games. Absolutely. And you, you've been around because you've covered the Seahawks, so you were around the successful franchises. In your time writing about these guys, what has what's the big thing that you feel has been missing here? Continuity. I mean, uh, even when they do things well, they don't do it for very long. Right. You know, either they don't have the talent to sustain it or they don't have the will as an organization to sustain it. Uh, so that's what you're really looking for. And that's, that's why I think uh, Callahan is going to be good for them because it's very simple. He wants right. to do a very streamlined thing. And he is going to, when you play that way, you put an onus, a responsibility on your defense to play. Right. And I think um, that understanding could help them. You know, I think emotionally um, – uh, knowing that you're going to have to be a unit that they play off of might inspire some better play. And, uh, you know, even as much as they are of a mess as they were those first five weeks, they're still competitive. Right. Um, you know, at various periods throughout games and for entire games. So they, uh, you are, you know, I believe you are what your record says you are. Right. Um, but they're clearly on the higher end of a team that was 0-5, now 1-5. And, and the schedule was brutal for them, and they playing teams that just they weren't prepared, ready to beat. Um, with Jay Gruden, what did you feel about like the culture that he had developed here? And obviously there's a lot of other factors that go into it just besides the head coach, but what he had developed here, and was it, did, in your eyes, was it more than enough time for him to go? Yeah, he had, I mean, realistically, in the NFL, um, when you've only made one playoff appearance and only yeah. had two winning seasons, you're very fortunate to last into year six. Right. Uh, so in the big picture there, uh, yes, it was plenty of time. When we look at how it all went down, um, you know, kind of changing the front office uh, three times, really, right. uh, w w during his time there, and the fact that... Um, 
uh, some combination of his input on things and just the way you know the personnel staff did it. They were never able to rebuild that offense after Pierre Garcon right. and Deshaun Jackson right. in that year and Sean McVay after they all left. Uh, so that was, you know, those are things in which was very difficult for Jay to overcome. Um, I think he created a culture in which guys appreciated coming to work and enjoyed and were committed to um, trying to turn the thing around. I think ultimately Jay, um, because he's so laid back and such a, <laughs> such a good guy, it created a little too lax of an environment. You would like to have someone who had some of his superpowers and being able to manage up. Right. Uh, you'd like for somebody to just be able to to uh, um, also create a greater sense of urgency. Right. And, and I think that was deal. just kind of him. And he was, uh, one thing about Gruden, he was almost positive to a fault. Right. Like he really believed what he was doing was going to work. And if the players on offense would just follow like what he saw, um, and, and, and if the entire team would believe in what he believed, he felt like it would work. But he, he, he wasn't great at, at um, you know, adding just the, the, the uh, just dogged, um, persistent kind of uh, stay on them type jerk right. to that. Right. Like I think right. at times you just, yeah. you have to just drill it into guys' heads. Absolutely. And he felt like, okay, I've emphasized it, that's enough. But there was too often where it was like he was trying to get them to do things three and four times. And we all know as parents, right. like if, <laughs> right. if, if your kid hasn't listened to you the third or fourth time that you've told them to do something, uh, you need to change the way that you're delivering your message. Absolutely. And he never quite was able to do that. I want to ask you about Terry McLaurin, too, because this is, again, you, you a good chance to see him in person and see what he can do and to be around him a little bit. What are you, what's your, and I want to end on this one, but what is your impression of him so far? What have you seen that jumps out to you? Man, I tell you what, uh, as somebody who has watched a lot of Ohio State football, I had no idea. And I just had no idea. Right. I was just focused on so many other players on that team, on that offense. Um, he has a chance to be, I mean, one of the best receivers in the league for yeah. a long time. Uh, just uh, his route running, um, he doesn't seem to say, make the same mistake twice. Right. Uh, he's uh, He's got a short memory on, on things. He should have a short memory like that drop and then coming back and making a big play, uh, talking to him. He's mature beyond his years. Uh, the fact that he has been so productive as a rookie on a team that's had three different starting quarterbacks it's is phenomenal. It is amazing. Now, um, so imagine when you get a permanent quarterback yeah. in here, what he might be able right. to do. I mean, he just he looks to me like a guy who, if he can stay healthy and uh, adjust to the defenses, adjusting to him, obviously, because he's going to start getting a lot of cover right. two and right. a lot of other emphasis. But if he can do that, I mean, he looks to me like a you know an eighty catch. 1100 yard receiver for a number of years which is pretty amazing with touchdowns on right. top of that it's very amazing. 10 touchdowns very, on top it's of real that. amazing jerry you got dinner plans to get to so and i know les carpenter sitting here staring at me about ready to jump on me <laughs> so i'm gonna let you go now but i appreciate you joining me thanks a lot read jerry in the washington post and you can read les carpenter too since he's standing here eyeing me big time so thanks a lot <laughs> no problem man <laughs> After this break, I'll be back with my observations with some thoughts on the run game, the interim coach, Mike Tomlin, and the quarterback play. 
Now it's time for my observations. Let's start with the interim coach. Was there a difference? At the end of last week, I talked to a player about the culture at Redskins Park. Hint, it's not good. You know that. But this player thought that Bill Callahan could make a difference just because of the structure he provided. One example, player asked me, do you know what time our 845 meeting began? I said, what, 845? He said, no, it started at 842. You came in after that, you were late. He said that that wasn't always the case in the past. Sometimes those 845s would start at 847, 850. So I think that it speaks to the discipline and consistency that Callahan is trying to instill after Jay Gruden. I think that's something this team needs. Now, will that make a difference this year? Did it make a difference Sunday? Hard to tell, and it probably, as far as the rest of the year, probably won't make a huge difference because the talent base is what it is on offense. Issues there, we'll get to those in a few minutes. Um, at least I don't think it's going to prove to anyone's liking, not to yours. But is it what they need in the future from whomever takes over in Washington? Of course, absolutely. And this, and then when I asked this player, and because my point was, could the head coach make a difference in the culture and supersede some of the other stuff that is there? This player said yes. We'll see if that's the case. Other people I've talked to outside the organization say no. Anyways, could that next guy be Mike Tomlin? I know that name was a big name on Sunday for you know my you know ESPN's Adam Schefter, my colleague, had a story in which that scenario was called far-fetched. Tomlin still has two years left on his contract, so unless the Redskins are willing to make a huge, huge offer to trade for him, or unless the Steelers fire him, Tomlin won't be here. And I've had others who know him well who say that even if they did fire him, he would have better options and they'd have a hard time believing that he would jump over to Washington. Tomlin's a loyal guy. I doubt he'd give his approval for any sort of trade, and knowing the way the Roonies run the Steelers, I would be surprised if they didn't go to him and say, do you want out? Do you want to go there? If so, then we will trade you. I have a hard time believing all that would happen. I know the Redskins brass has a good relationship with Tomlin. I know some others, such as Jason Lockenfora, J.P. Finley, have heard things about him as well. I heard that the Redskins were enamored with him too. That doesn't mean it'll happen. There are other guys whose names you're going to hear won't happen there too. But for now, the focus is on Callahan and what he can provide. And I do think some of that structure and discipline will be good for them even if it doesn't always result in wins. I think what you need to do here is reestablish your identity, not just as a team, but as a franchise. I know there's some issues above the coaching staff. We all know that. But from the coach on down, you have some young players. You need to start providing them the structure that they need where they can flourish. Let's go to number two, commitment to the run game. Adrian Peterson was confident that he'd get a lot of carries today, and he did, rushing for 118 yards on 23 carries, by far is the most this season. The Redskins were able to stick with the run because they wanted to and because Miami's, Miami's offense stinks. The Redskins did nothing on their first three possessions. It didn't hurt them because, again, Miami's offense stinks. But they also used a lot, the Redskins also used a lot of sets conducive to running the ball with multiple tight ends on 21 of their 58 plays. They had run such sets on 39 of their previous 307 plays before this game. There's a huge difference in the percentages there. It helped to establish a more physical presence, and it led to the Terry McLaurin touchdown pass. They used on that play, they used two tight ends, kept both in, the back in protection after the fake. The max protection gave Keenum time to find McLaurin on a move that would take some time as he took him inside, cut back out, almost like almost like a post corner, but it wasn't really a post corner. It wasn't really a post route, but he took him inside like as he's on a crosser and then took him back outside. Took some time. 
Those tight ends helped there. Same thing happened on the 32-yard catch for a first down late in the game. Again, a run formation. Two tight ends, tight set. You had a run fake and a big catch to McLaurin. Max protection again. So the commitment and the formations enabled them to stay aggressive with the run, yet also use it to make big plays in the passing game. That's how it's supposed to work. I don't want to go crazy in this area just yet. The Dolphins entered having allowed 175.75 rushing yards per game after all. So it's not like the Redskins have turned this corner. If you're going to talk about being committed to the run game, this was the game you talk about it because you knew you'd be able to do it. It's sort of like having a baseball meeting and you know before you go into play the Tigers or the Orioles where you know you have a really good chance of winning the series. That's when you do those things. The big test comes next week against the Niners. Their defensive front is terrific and will test Washington in a major way. Then we'll see about the commitment moving forward. On to number three, Terry McLaurin. There's so much to dissect with him, but the thing that I always go back to is how open he is, how open he gets every game. With better quarterback play, he would have three or four 100-yard games in his first five starts. As it is, he has two such games and already five touchdown passes. He's a gem, folks, and here's why. Listen to his interviews and how he talks about himself and the team. It's genuine. When you talk to people here, when even when you talk to people here about him, there is a there is an enthusiasm in their voices, and it's because of his approach. And it's what you hear is real for him. It's not. This is not. A, sometimes with athletes and guys, they might say things because it makes it sound smart or it makes it. It's what they people. It's what they think people want to hear from them. With McLaurin, it's how he lives it. What he says is how he lives it. That's why Urban Meyer loved the guy. That's why he was the leader at Ohio State last year. It wasn't Dwayne Haskins, folks. It was Terry McLaurin. And that's not a knock on Haskins. It's a, it's a compliment to McLaurin. McLaurin will analyze his own play. He's smart. He can tell you exactly what he was trying to do on a play and why. Like on his first touchdown catch, he had seen Amari Cooper run a crossing route with success against Miami earlier this year. So he files that away. It's, you know, so you know that. The way he sold the route is on this play, McLaurin sells the crosser, which is what Cooper ran, sells the crosser by turning his head slightly as he cuts to the inside, as if he's looking back for the ball. The corner then undercuts the route, and McLaurin pivots back to the outside, breaks wide open. On his long catch late in the game, McLaurin knew he had to be patient and not give the route away with his eyes. That takes some, that takes some savviness and some maturity as a rookie that a lot don't have. He is a savvy vet as a rookie. I've seen this time and time again in games with him, his ability to beat various coverages and to create space against every defensive back he's faced, whether it's Stephon Gilmore, Byron Jones from Dallas. It doesn't matter. Go back and go back and watch him against Byron Jones. There were multiple times he was open where he didn't get the ball, where he turns him inside out. There was a third and 22 against the Dallas Cowboys where he turns um, where he turns Jones inside out, but because Case Keenum was impatient, didn't wait for the route to develop, he checks down, blows a chance for a first down opportunity. But I go back to McLaurin's presence, and you can feel it, I'm sure, during his interviews. He's mature, but he doesn't brag, but he's also honest. It's, he, he, there's a rare, he's got a rare quality to him. Doesn't consider himself great, but he wants to be great. My guess is when he does get there, and others say he's great, He'll talk about needing to stay at a certain place and needing to work a certain way. He plays without entitlement, and he does one thing. He works on his craft. There is a reason why McLaurin has started off so well. 
On to number four, Case Keenum and the quarterback play. The Redskins' biggest problem for Dwayne Haskins is that the other quarterbacks haven't made their life easy considering their goal was to not have him play this season. Trust me, that was the goal. They needed to play well enough so that people would understand why Haskins isn't playing. Well, that's not going on now. They're not playing well enough to make people understand. So when the Redskins went back to Case Keenum, there was some who wondered if this was a decision made from above to go away from Jay Gruden's guy in Colt McCoy. And let me say this. Others here in the front office, like McCoy, it wasn't just Gruden. They considered him as their best quarterback in training camp or this summer. But I also know that even if Jay Gruden had remained as a coach, I think the same move to Keenum would have been made. McCoy did, did not look good in the pocket against the Patriots, and I feel safe in saying he would not have continued in that role. But that said, Keenum wasn't very good Sunday. He did make four good throws to Terry McLaurin, one of which was dropped. And again, I go back to McLaurin, I, where I give him credit, he drops a big play, back, big pass. They go back to him in a clutch situation. Dude makes the catch. But Keenum has just left too much on the field in his five starts, and that was evident again today. And I'll see that more when I go back and rewatch the game Monday and Tuesday. There will be no turnaround, folks, if this doesn't change. You know that. I know that. He knows that. The Redskins know that. And by turnaround, I mean a chance to win a handful more games. This isn't going to go from 0-5 to 8-8 like it did a couple other times in their history. As for Dwayne Haskins, there's a lot there out there on him. I'm not going to get into all that right now. One thing I will say is I've heard from people who watched him in some pregames this year, people who played the game, represent people in the NFL, who didn't like his body language in some pregames. I also know some people start looking for things when guys aren't going well. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know. Maybe I'm searching here, but Haskins looked to have some good energy in pregame Sunday. I saw him chest bumping with some players on both sides of the ball, little bicep handshake with Ryan Kerrigan. Haskins has to mature as a pro QB in a lot of ways, and I wonder if this change of coaches won't give him a little jolt to do so. He still has a ways to go. The Redskins know he's at least their best bet for the future as of right now, and I wonder if maybe now that he feels that there's a different air for him because he knows, listen, the, the they knew they had to develop him before. This is The development part is not new. They knew they had to do it. They were doing stuff this, that is not new, but maybe there's the emphasis and, and you know, you're going to start pulling along, but he's going to have to be more invested in that aspect for himself as well. And I think, I think maybe he's starting to get that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I do think that – I always say it's a shared responsibility. The Redskins, you, you have to provide a nurturing environment for a guy to succeed – and that guy has to then do all that he needs to do at the building, away from the building, to go. And so he's a, he's a young kid. Let's be patient. But, again, the problem is when you see quarterback play like we've seen this year, it makes everybody desirable desire to see Haskins. I do believe he'll be in there sooner rather than later unless, unless again, unless they start turning something around. It's just at some point you're going to have to play him. So, anyways, on to number five, the Redskins defensive front. Jonathan Allen continues to make some noise. I felt like he had started to do so against the New York Giants a few weeks ago. Felt like he had a pretty good game against New England. Um, and he did so again today with two sacks. I don't view him as the next Aaron Donald, but he is a solid player for them and the sort of voice they need in the locker room. After the game, he talked about, you know, we were supposed to win. And he's right. They were supposed to win. Um, I don't know. I think he understands that when you win a game like that, when it comes down to the last you know, two-point conversion, that – this was a game they needed to put away. He knows that. I think most players there know that. They understand that this is, does not solve all their problems. 
it was a two, it was a one point win over arguably one of the worst teams we've seen in this league in a long time. They could still use a few more guys like Allen, though. It would be nice to add a strong veteran like that for next season. If you remember back in 1999 when they added Marco Coleman, and he had presented, provided a strong voice of leadership for both sides of the ball. It's a rare quality. Um, London Fletcher, same type of guy. They have young guys with leadership skills. They need more older guys who are that way. Alex Smith was that way. He was not a guy who was going to pull guys. He was not a big vocal guy, but he was a guy whose presence people trusted and respected, and that's something that is in, that was invaluable, and you hear a lot about that even still. I like that the Redskins tried a different look or two on Sunday. They had, For example, they had Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan rushing side-by-side side on one play. Didn't result in the pressure, but I liked the thought behind it. That it led, it did, there were a bunch of hurried throws. That was one of them. Cole Holcomb blitzed off the edge on a play. He didn't get there, but because the back had to go pick him up, he couldn't help. I think it was on an Allen sack. Couldn't help on Allen, and so that led to the sack. A lot of different things going on. But they still gave up points in the end, and that's why Ryan Fitzpatrick nearly had the comeback. Um, there were some things, there were some holes there, and I think when they play a good quarterback guy who doesn't hold the ball, that presents problems for them because it doesn't give, they, if the rush isn't getting home, the coverage is going to break down, and the rush was getting home, and um, Rosen was holding the ball way too long, etc., but allowed the guys up front to do some stuff. Matt Ioannidis has started, has started to win more as well in recent weeks. They absolutely need more of that. I like watching Deron Payne take on double teams, so strong. And, and he said he said one double team to make a tackle, tackle for a short gain on one run. Watch how his body is contorted on those plays. He and Allen do really well with this and exactly what how they're taught by Jim Tomsula. Also love how Quentin Dunbar continues to play. He makes plays because he breaks so quick on the ball and he reads it well. I don't want to get carried away about the defense considering the Dolphins scored a season high in points. <laughs> yes, 16, a season high. Um, anyway, you know, but let's take it for what it's worth. So, again, we'll learn a lot more about them next week. It's a W, whatever. Anyway, on the final two-point play, Redskins linebacker coach, outside linebacker coach Chad Grimm told Ryan Anderson to watch for the screen. Go back and watch the final play, and as the play starts, Anderson kind of starts up and inches back into the screen lane. So he's well-prepared. He doesn't make the tackle, though others would have. Dunbar, Allen, Fabian Moreau were all there. But it also speaks to Grimm and some of the input he's given over the years. He's done this before when he was, a, when he was basically a quality control coach. I remember there was a game where he told former linebacker Will Compton to watch for a screen. He did. He made the play, and it helped clinch a win. That's all for my observations. Now I want to share an interview that I had with Landon Collins, a quick one after the game. Just what does it mean finally to finally get this win? What does it mean? It means a lot. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just we worked hard. We, we try to figure it out. We stayed together and we proved that as much as possible. And uh, and we we, 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 we we did all three phases. We three phases of the game, so it made a difference. Were you surprised at that two point conversion attempt, or did you think they'd go for it? I thought they were gonna go for it. I mean, both teams we've been all, both on losing streaks, so we both just trying to. Get a win. So, did you know? Because it looked like you guys had. Even if he catches that, it looks like you guys were in had position. Stuff, did, yeah, you, we, did you know what was coming there? We we know he's gone to eleven. It was gone to thirty-two. 
So you guys felt pretty good. Yeah, we felt pretty confident. What, what, when you have when you have a lead like that, and they bring another quarterback like that, do they get? To, does that provide a spark that it's like it's sometimes it's, hard to combat as a team? It's different quarterbacks, so we know Fitzpatrick is a gunslinger. So once once receivers see him come in there, they know they're gonna he's gonna get the ball out. Okay. He's gonna throw the ball. He's gonna throw the ball wherever he needs to go, and then give, give his receiver chances. And that's what they knew they was gonna do, and uh, that's what happened. With Rosen, did you because he he's, you, see, you guys were having a lot of success against him. Was he, does he hold the ball long? Did you figure you he just hold the ball too long? Like I said before, um, he just hold the ball too long. He just got to get, he got to give his people, his receivers chances regardless of the, the situation is down um, and then allow them to make plays. You also have the safety blitz for the sack. I mean, I haven't, have you run that before this year? I haven't seen you do that. Nah. <laughs> okay, so what, what, why today was that? That was, uh, uh, I just saw something in his way. Because you, you, you held that well. Did you? Did you? I mean, that's when we. Is it, or is that? Did you see something and you're going, or did you? I just saw something that way. What did you see? I just thought it was run. Okay. And I was going to blow up the back, but it wasn't. It was a play action, so I was already in there, so I just kept going from there. Did you see him like because you guys were pressuring and hitting me like that? Did you, what did you see him? How did you see Rosen change because of the pressure that you guys were putting on him? It wasn't just because we were the pressures, but no, we I mean we see it on film. We get pressure in his face. He kind of get timid behind with the ball. Okay. So how do you how do you guys now build on this going forward? What the, how can you build on this? We just keep going from here. We um we do our studies. We, make, we continue doing our competition periods and um keep getting better. Um, making each other better. Nice to leave with a good taste in your mouth, huh? Correct. Thanks, Landon. Got it. Well, that's it for now. Thank you very much to the Washington Post, Jerry Brewer, for joining me. Go read his stuff. He does a great job. Thank you to Landon Cons for taking a couple minutes to talk to me. And thank you for continuing to listen. I'm glad they got a win for you guys. Hang in there.